Welcome to TAIP Conversations, a series of discussions of issues surrounding the international early childhood education community in Japan. Good day, everyone. So welcome to Take Conversation today. We are so fortunate to be with the experts in early childhood education, and I'm truly honored to introduce our guest speakers for today's topic, which is um, language and literacy for young learners. So before we start our conversation, I feel really excited about this. And may I ask the guest speakers to introduce themselves? So let's start with Moretta. Sure. My name is Moretta Kropp, and I am the principal at KPIS Komazawa Park International School. And I've been teaching in the early childhood field for 30 years now. And I have a master's degree in reading and language education, and also one in human development and psychology. Thank you. Yeah, sure. And also, Moretta is um, one of the TAPE board of directors. She's our secretary. Right. Yes. yes. I'm in April. Hello, I'm April McBride. I'm the director of ABC International School in Mata Azabu. I've been in education for about 25 years and a preschool director and head teacher for about the past 10 years. I often specialize as a teacher in early reading and writing. And in my spare time, I am a Jolly Phonics trainer as well, which is another passion of mine is teaching the basics of reading and writing through phonics too. So thank you for having me today. Thank you, April. And Angela? Hi, I'm Angela Aramaki, and I'm the Education Director at Willowbrook International School. And I work with teachers, parents, and students from the youngest class to the oldest. I've been in preschool since 2001, but I originally started as a middle school teacher. So I made quite a jump. I love teaching young children. My whole career has been in Japan. so. Uh, I guess that makes me kind of an expert, but I'm always learning. I love to learn new things. And uh, we also do Jolly Phonics here too. So I'm very excited to hear more from April. Thank you. Thank you, Angela. And I think like, that's the beauty of becoming an expert, you know, because you keep on learning, you know, that you're not the gold standard, you know, you, you just keep on updating yourself and all that. So thank you. All right, let's jump in. So the first question that I would like to ask is like, how much do you think do parents need to get involved in, in terms of, of developing this area of, of milestone for the children? Let's start with April. Yeah, I think parent involvement is really important and can really help with the success of a child's early literacy journey. Even from as soon as children are born, they are looking at your face, they are wanting to communicate with you. And they get so much from your facial expressions. They see how words are formed and they start to copy it, you know, even from a really young age. So from there into reading stories with young children, just developing that love of language and literature from an early age, I think is really key. Thank you for that. How about Angela? I agree wholeheartedly with April. Literacy starts right from birth when they're first come out and you're talking to them and that baby ease or mother ease singing plays a big part of it too I find especially with uh, second language learners I think song really helps the early board books that we all have in our classrooms our favorite stories just repeating it over and over and over and yeah developing a love of reading that's what 
is the most important thing you can do. And showing your child that you read too, I think is right. very important. To model, you know, that you're reading to the children. That's very important. Thank you for that, Angela and Moretta. Yeah, those are uh, both excellent ideas and answers to that question. In addition to those things, even from the very start, I think having experiences and talking about those experiences. You know, research shows that the vocabulary level of children is directly correlated to their reading success later. Mm -hmm. And so the more that parents can talk to their children and have experiences with them and introduce a variety of sensory experiences, real lived experiences, in addition to the songs and the stories right. and the books and everything that will help their comprehension skills later on. So yeah, the talking, the reading, the modeling, singing, and then having those experiences too. Right. So it's also the naturalistic environment that you provide yes. for the children, right? So yeah, it's absolutely. very important to have that as part of yeah. their growth. Okay, so in terms of that, as a leeway, we're going to go transition to the integrated and incidental learning of language and literacy. So the specific examples would be like, how do you teach language and literacy during free play time, meal times, random conversations at the park, and of course, as you've mentioned, music. So would you like to start off, Moretta? Sure. I think the early childhood teachers and um, educators, I guess, because, you know, if you start from a really young age they should be continuing what the parents are doing at home and having those rich conversations all through um, the day, whether it be when they're walking to the playground or having a snack together, just having those conversations, asking questions, responding to what the children are actually saying to them. Um, And also having a print rich environment is really Mm -hmm. important in schools to have books accessible and available. You know, one thing that we do at our school is we actually take a basket of books with us to the bathroom. So toilet time becomes a time of a lot of waiting when you have 10 kids who have to use the same toilets and sinks. And so when they're finished, they line the hallway, they sit down in the hallway, they each grab a book and they're reading while they're waiting for, and that's from our youngest children in diapers to the older ones too. And so we have books everywhere in our school. So that's just a few things that we do here and I think are really important. Yeah, in relation to that, I think like it is also transdisciplinary because we also have a a poster inside the toilet and the children were so engaged with the poster rather than doing toilet training. So we have to kind of like really tell them, oh, okay, so it's time for pee pee now. So, but they're so engrossed with, with the, the, the visual stimulation that they have in the, in the toilet. But then again, as I've said, it's transdisciplinary, right? So you can actually integrate everything into it. Yes. And Angela? Mm, I agree. We have uh, small libraries in all our classrooms here. So their books are always available too. And we also have a library in the school that the children get to go to and they can check out books. And it's also open to parents in non-COVID times. Uh, parents can come in and it's more, it, we set it up as like a little community room. So mm-hmm. parents can wait there if their children have after school. And this was all pre-COVID. So hopefully it can start up again because it was it was very nice and they can check out books for their children. We have Japanese books and English books and a few. We're trying to build our other languages book, too. So it's great. Yes. Thank you, Angela. And April? 
Yeah, all of these are brilliant ideas, having print-rich environments, having just books available at all times throughout the day. Something sort of a little different to that from the kind of phonics approach is developing children's phonemic awareness through listening. So just because you, you mentioned random conversations at the park, and of course, conversations are really, you know, language rich, and that's fantastic. But um, another thing that can be done is when you're walking to somewhere like the park is go for a listening walk. So one skill we want to tune in is children's listening skills. If they can hear sounds and separate sounds, it's actually a step to them eventually learning to write, not just to read. So it's kind of pulling apart sounds. So going for listening walks, you know, anything from the birds singing in the trees to airplanes going by, what can we hear? And that kind of can also be brought into circle times and things, doing like mystery instruments. So you hide some instruments, you say, you know, what, what, what is it that you hear? Or mystery sounds, animal sounds, things like that. All of these type of activities can really tune children's ears into hearing different sounds and that can really help them on their literacy progress. So it's just a little different approach, but uh, something that I think can get neglected a little more. We often do the reading side, we do the kind of seeing the sound and saying the sound and blending sounds and things like that. But listening to sounds is really important too. So just another aspect. Thank you, that's fantastic. And I think it's very important for us, not just to kind of like express verbally, but also to listen intently, you know? So I think it's one of the things of, important communicate because I think like language and literacy is part of communication process right mm -hmm. so listening is so important because sometimes we just listen without understanding it right so yes. that's the main thing of, of, of for us to clear this up yes. all right so with the misconception in early literacy so one thing that I was also thinking about is when is too early and when is too late or is there not late or not early at all. So what do you think about this, April? I think it really depends on the individual child. The approach we take at ABC is that children come to us as unique human beings. There's not a one size fits all. Um, I have taught children at three years old and they are ready to start reading and writing. They want to, they have a desire to, and that's fantastic and they should be encouraged. I've had four year olds who are really resistant to it and they need a really different approach and different kinds of encouragement. Um, I, I am kind of anti-forcing children before they are physically ready to do anything like writing. I think sharing stories with them until they have that interest of like, hmm, what is it that you're looking at? What are those squiggles? You know, when they have that interest and desire to learn, I think that's the prime time. And I don't think there's really a set age for that. As you know, some European countries wait until they're seven years old before they start any kind of formal literacy. However, those children will be having deep conversations, they'll be having stories, they'll be having discussions. So they're building those skills. And I think those skills can be built quite naturally through those processes without strict instruction. So I think, yeah, it does need to be adapted to the children. But I think if you provide these opportunities that are fun and engaging, whether it's through a program or just through story time, that I think there's no too early for that. You know, there's no too early to have to have fun and listen to a story and to do games and activities that support language and literacy. Thank you, April. And Angela? I would agree with April on that. And just providing providing materials for mark making 
whether it's in the dramatic play area, you know, we have kids that love to make lists or look like they're writing letters. Our children are studying about the community right now. So they're all making post boxes and posting letters to each other. I believe that's all part of it. And that made them very excited and wanting to learn to more interested in reading and writing. Even though it's very, very basic, some are only three and they're just making scribbles, but they're reading it to us. And it's really important to have those experiences, I think. Thank you, Angela. And Moretta? Yeah, those were really great points that you both raised. I think that it's so important, like you said, Angela, to call it mark making at the beginning and to really recognize the developmental stages that children go through both physically and mentally and emotionally. As long as, you know, the materials are there and the rich conversations are there and the the opportunities are there, I think it's really important to keep things open-ended. It's great to have, you know, writing materials and list um, making things in like the dramatic play area so that they can make their shopping lists or write letters to each other. Or, you know, they can write on the whiteboard or the poster, a lot of different kinds of writing materials available to them. I think the danger comes when we try to force children to do a very directed activity too early. And I do think there are cases where what's labeled as language and literacy can be be too early for a child who's really not ready. So the key is to to make things open-ended, to give them invitations to participate in those kinds of activities, but not to force it when they're not ready. Thank you, Marita. And I also remember one concept that they say about Reggio Emilia is the learn providing learning provocations. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think like this is very important for us to set up in the classroom so that children will be more engaged, you know, and, and they would just say, oh, what is this? And to build up that curiosity as well, right? Mm-hmm. So in response to kind of like, or in relation to that, so I know in your in your school you would detect or you would would you would see or observe children with I would say extra needs right so I think like it's also important to discuss this whether how can we give the the listeners some tips or kind of like well, how do you call it uh, like strategies to know what are the key ind- indicators or red flags that you would find from children would who would kind of like get that extra need. Because I know like in research have already, researchers have already, what do you call this, um, shown that verbal language is one indicator also of, of like, like le- less verbal language is one indicator of children with autism and ADHD. So that's one thing. And it can be like other, any other thing. But in, in, your, in your school, like in your experience, like what tips can you give the listeners in, in detecting like red flags that you think these children would need help in the future. Um, Would you like to answer Angela first? I think definitely language, like speaking. Yeah. That's usually the first indicator if they're not talking very much, especially when they get up in the two, three-year-old class, Mm -hmm. where those children are naturally learning language very quickly. So we would have a conversation with parents and just to see what they're doing at home. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're more verbal at home than they are at school. It just just to kind of see and we would probably ask maybe for some outside help just to have a look at the child like speech therapist or that's usually like one of the first steps um, speech Thank therapists you. can tell us so much yes and can help parents maybe they need an occupational therapist or something yes. else 
so that's usually where we start. Right. Thank you. And also, like the speech therapist would always ask you about, like, can you test their hearing first? Yes. You know, it's always the hearing, the listening part of it. You know, and that kind of like revolves around the whole developmental stage of the child. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Amaretta. Um, yeah, I think um, definitely that the speech and maybe also the attention span according to their age and whether they're able to focus and listen. The listening skills, like April said, are really important too, being able you know, to differentiate between the sounds. And I would take a really um, close look at their home language because the, the vocabulary in the home language predicts the amount that they'll be able to learn in the second language. And so especially for those of us who are working with bilingual kids, I think that that's important to, to assess as well. Right. And then, even, you know, when we, we connect the reading and the writing, I think the fine motor is also really yes. important. Can they, are they learning to, to control their muscles in their, in their hands and also their whole bodies? Like, do they have some kind of core issues that make it hard yes. for them to sit yes. still and pay attention yes. whatever, you know, the occupational therapy mm -hmm. as well. Those, those are the kinds of things we'd be looking for. Thank you, Moretta. April? Yeah, I would definitely have a look at their um, social interactions and if there were certain frustrations, if they were communicating in some way with other students, that can be an early indicator. I feel that if they, they have difficulty entering into a communication situation, they don't know how to, even if they're not at the level where they can verbally ask, you know, can I have that? You know, are, can they put out their hand? Do they recognize? that that other child you know, has emotions and feelings and might not want to hand over something. And I would take a close look at how they're playing. Are they only playing alongside um, other children even though they're kind of reaching like three, four years old or are they just playing by themselves? Do they get very frustrated? Because for some children, I think, especially with second language learners, they can go through a period of frustration where in their home language, they are completely rebel. They can yes. describe their feelings. They can okay. they can talk you know, really fluently. And then they're in the second language. So their brain is functioning at that high level, but they don't have the words yet. And that right. can be really frustrating. So it can be difficult to differentiate between a slight delay in English language because they're learning it as a second language and whether there are other issues that need to be looked into. So like Angela said, we would always defer to a speech therapist if we had any concerns. And we'd look at things like, you know, how many words they're using, are they communicating with teachers, are they communicating with friends? And it can be quite different at school to at home. So it is important to get the whole picture. And that's where I think, you know, if we have, you know, some concerns, it's good to bring in specialists because um, we're educators at school. We're not here to diagnose. So yes. yeah, we would refer to experts for that. Yeah, we can only give a referral. You know, that's, that's, that's all that we can say and observe. Like also like since the pandemic, right? We have been wearing masks. Do you think it's, it affected, you know, or it is affecting now, like the language development of children as well. Um, Angela? Uh, yes, I think it is. Yeah. Um, we especially see it in the younger classes. I mean, we're still wearing, we wear masks from two years old. Right. To the mm. oldest class. So I think it's hard for them to read our facial expressions because mm. that plays a lot with the language development and seeing, to be able to see our mouth and how we're articulating sounds, that's definitely been a problem with the pandemic. Yeah. It's just, and our voice level too, it's really mm -hmm. hard 
to hear what the children are saying and for them to hear us. I know I have to get down really close to the children when we're supposed to be staying far away. Right. So it's communication has been very, very difficult in the, all age levels, I think. Yeah. So one approach that what I do in class is I move away from the child and I take off a mask and then I kind of like really show them how I say it, you know, like good afternoon. So, so that they would just kind of like find that, you know, see that mouth movement, because I think it, it is really kind of like helping them to see how your mouth moves when they talk, you know? Yes. Yeah, so thank you for those wonderful explanations and, and tips, you know, for, for that. Um, there's one thing that I read also as part of a research study in Sweden, and it says here, like, besides storybooks and nonfiction books, children need to be exposed to, for example, letters, like regular letters that we send to, to people, newspapers, magazines, recipes, and instructional texts of varying kinds. So why do you think this is important, you know, like for the children to have like a different variations or variations of, of texts? Um, would you like to take on that, um, Moretta? Sure. So it's actually, that was a really interesting study, actually. And I think reading is one of those skills that's not actually innate. So in terms of, you know, there are some skills that we develop naturally, no matter what. We learn how to walk, or we learn how to talk. We learn a lot of skills just by developing as a human. But reading is an actual learned skill that doesn't just naturally develop. Right. And in order for us to learn a skill, we need to have internal motivation. Yes. And we can't force that upon anyone. So I think that doing all of those other things and showing purposes for reading and writing, that, that it has meaning besides just reading a story mm. is really important in building that, that intrinsic motivation in children. And they, the more they see reading and writing being used, the more they're going to want to learn it. And that's one of the areas that I'm a little bit concerned about our digital use of reading because they're not seeing it modeled the same way that we were when we were growing up. Right. You know, they're not, you know, we probably remember seeing our parents reading magazines and newspapers hmm. and sending actual physical letters to each other. We have to, as educators, create those kinds of, of experiences for the kids to see reading as happening outside of just books and whatever digital device that they see. So that to me is something that we really need to work on and be really intentional about to make sure that kids are, are getting those experiences. Thank you, Maretta. That's wonderful. And Angela? Mm. I agree. We need to give them those experiences mm -hmm. uh, and just to show them text in different forms, how we use, how we use different kinds of text to gain information. I know with my own daughter, when she was very young, we, we traveled the train every day. So mm -hmm. just pointing out everything, all the signs on the train, uh, a ticket and the information on there, like which train car to get on, what the what the number is that we need to find. So how useful it is and how it connects all together. Yes. Wonderful. Yes. And April? Yeah, I mean, both of those are absolutely pertinent points. Um, I think children do need a reason to learn to read and write. Like Moretta said, it's, it's something. Some children 
do naturally just want to do it because they they they've discovered stories you know and they want to read stories and that's fantastic but there are children who just prefer kind of non-fiction stories and then like information we have children who are obsessed with the Tokyo train lines and that's a fantastic <laughs> literacy experience you know they're learning to sound out the trains they're learning like the, the different formations they are doing patterning skills all kinds of things um, so I think yeah having that intrinsic um, reason to see that it's useful I think we all we all look back to when we learned mathematics and algebra and wonder why did we put all that brain power into it when we can't yeah. use it and that's the thing if you can use it if it's helpful if it gets you information if it helps you communicate that's all inspiration to continue learning and to continue that that learning journey and reading journey thank you april so one more thing so the importance of read aloud does it help children to get interested and engage you know and to develop their language ability what do you think april Absolutely. If we think about the general day in a, in a kindergarten or in your home or in your preschool, a lot of the, the language that children are hearing is very repetitive. You know, it's come over here, let's sit down, let's have snack. We might sing our snack song, you know, let's go to the bathroom, please, you know, <laughs> stop doing that. They hear a lot of repetitive language. When we sit down with a read aloud, they're getting a flow of imaginative language, descriptive language. Um, that they're just not going to hear in the day-to-day -day unless you have some really creative teachers. But it just, it opens up a whole different world. Obviously there's images that go along with the pictures to help stimulate that as well. But um, I think Read Aloud is so valuable for that reason and also that kind of community feeling is sitting down in a group sharing a story. And what we do is something we do with our older students is get them to kind of change the ending of stories or to put their own twist on a story and things like that and make it their own. And that really develops their imaginative skills, their creative abilities, and hopefully eventually their creative writing as well. So I think there's there's so many levels, feeling included, feeling in a group, Excellent. having that cozy time with the teacher, all building that positive reinforcement around reading. Thank you, Angela. And we just had a World Book Day celebration the other day. It was fantastic. The children were bringing their books like they're in a rally. Hey, this is my book, you know? So it's it's really nice to see that the children can physically like and emotionally say that, oh, I have a book that I want to show you, you know, and I want to read it to you, or I want to tell it about, about it, you know, to, to everyone. So thank you, April and Angela. I agree. Um, it's my favorite time of day is when we have story time with the children. Um, I love reading aloud to children, putting on silly voices and yes. maybe introducing them to books that they might not have ever seen before, books from other countries or even books from like your home country that you can bring into it. And commu yeah, community building definitely brings us all together. And you just, uh, you sit down with one child reading a story and suddenly you've got four or five sitting around you and then it's like this one and then this one and yeah I just I really love it I think it's important I think all ages not just preschool can really benefit from read alouds thank you Angela and Moretta yeah no I absolutely agree um I think you know reading aloud is such a pleasant experience and it can be such a like like April was saying, such cozy time too. And if we can build a sense of connection between really warm, fuzzy, good memories and reading a book, we've really done our job. So I think that's one really great thing. And then the whole community thing, a building aspect of it too. You know, we have certain books that are, are shared around the school that 
everyone loves. And we can make um, connections with those books, you know, like, oh, look, you're upside down. You're just like silly Sally. And mm-hmm. everyone, like, we're all nod and smile. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know that book. And it helps kids make connections with other people, other teachers in the building, with other kids in other classes. Like we all know and love that story. And then the the whole rare word study that they've done, I think people don't really realize um, the richness of language that is found in picture books. They did actual analyses of everything from, you know, a conversation between two college educated adults. Mm. or reading a newspaper or an academic article or various, various things where they um, analyze the number of rare words or, Mm. you know, like interesting words, I guess you could say. And they found that picture books were well above the conversation between two college educated adults. And it was also much higher than a TV program that's directed at adults. Wow. So when we're reading books to kids, we're exposing them to really rich vocabulary that helps expand their word knowledge, which then leads to better comprehension and better skills. It's all, it just all kind of rolls along together. Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. And also like the choice of books that you will have for the children, right? It's Mm -hmm. really important to kind of like get the right material for them to get interested. Okay. So I guess that's it. (laughs) We've covered almost everything. And I think like, because I'm talking about technology, right? So as what Moretta mentioned earlier, like, is it really important to to, to have technology to to kind of like develop language and literacy? Or let's just kind of like put that aside. And then when they grow up, we can actually use it because we're talking about young learners here, you know? So, and they need to kind of like that sense of having a physical book and, and, and to, to kind of like listen to you intently and also looking at, at the pictures with purpose, with a purpose rather than just kind of like, you know, swiping, 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 right? So now here's the thing, final message to the parents and to the teachers that you would like to give in order for, for them to kind of like, develop this kind of like um, language and literacy development for for the children. So what would that be? So can we start off with April? I think take that time, whether it's in the evening or in the morning before school to have that special story time with your child at home. I think it's really essential. Um, Even if it's a five minute book, if that's all you can spare, it's worth that little bit of effort to do that. Um, I think our teachers in all of our schools do an amazing job already. They, they truly understand the value of reading with children and enhancing their literacy skills. So I think for, for our teachers, it's just keep doing what you're doing. It's, it's right. really worth it. And there's nothing that beats the in-person story. So no matter what technology brings us, I think that communication, we spoke about the sense of community, that warmth, that coziness um, with another human sharing a story with you cannot be replaced. Yes, definitely. Thank you. Angela? Um, Same. Read to your children. Read, read, read. And visit your library. Libraries are really fantastic places. And I think some great things are happening because they're turning into more of a community center now. And there's a lot going on at libraries. So visit your library. (laughs) Thank you. And Moretta? Yeah, all of those things. Read to your kids, talk to your kids, listen to your kids, play silly, funny word games with them. You know, take advantage of the cracks in your day, the the times that you have to wait at a doctor's office, or if you're on your bicycle riding somewhere or in your car, take 
take that time to to play those silly song games and you know you might feel like my kids are older now so um i can say with confidence that it goes really fast and it feels like it's a really long time and you're so tired of those kids songs but just just hang in there and because doing those silly things with your kids actually pays off big time. And before you know it, they're going to be grown. <laughs> That's speaking to parents and for, for teachers, like April said, the teachers, I think they're, they know what to do. They're doing great things. Keep doing what you're doing and keep instilling that love of, of books and reading with the kids, model it, talk to them, listen to them. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's why I love having tape conversations. <laughs> it's so beautiful to kind of like get your, your, your knowledge and expertise. And I would just want to pick everybody's brains, you know, so it's really, really an honor. And I think like, it's a pleasure to have you Moretta, April and Angela today. So there you have it. So I hope that this podcast will help you understand more about the importance of promoting language immersion and literacy introduction to your children. And being part of TAPE, I strongly believe that one of our goals for the member schools and individuals is to further help everyone in their professional knowledge and growth of expertise. So again, thank you so much and see you again on our next episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TAIP Conversations. This has been a presentation of the Tokyo Association of International Preschools. To find out more, please visit our website at www.tokyopreschools.org. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please help to spread the word.